Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And if you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African-American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. And today I have my guest, co-host and media consultant for the Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Hey, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. We also have the circulation director of the Herald, Wade Lacey Sr., how you doing today, Wade? Hello, John. It is good to be here. It was good to have you here, too. And we also have our Herald intern, Suhana Sinhan. How are you doing today, Suhana? I'm doing much well today, John. Thank you so much for asking. I hope you are doing well, too. And thanks for having me. Yes, I am doing well. Thank you very much. So mm-hmm. without, without further ado, let's jump into our news topics of the week. The last U.S. plane carrying American troops left Afghanistan Monday, ending a nearly 20-year war. President Joe Biden set an August 31st deadline to get out of the country and end the 20-year war. The U.S. says more than 124,000 people, including 6,000 Americans, were evacuated from the country in the final weeks of the war, which were met with chaos as the Taliban took over the country. Nearly 2,500 service members were killed over 20 years, including 13 last week. Andrea, what are your thoughts on this topic? I think it is, one, it lasted 20 years is amazing to me. But two, you could see the writing on the wall. Everyone was tired of the Afghan war. There was no out, positive outcome that was going to happen from it. And um and I, I know people are upset and mad. Veterans are mad. They understand why uh, Biden ordered the, the, the pullout, but they just don't like how it happened. Um, it was messy. It was chaotic. It was just everything you don't want a pullout to be. But in many ways, it was similar to what happened when we pulled out of the Vietnam War and left Saigon. Um, only we just evacuated more people than we did at that time in, in Vietnam. And I'm kind of sad that the see the Taliban take back over again. And I'm sort of afraid of what's going to happen with Afghanistan. But on a positive note, lease America for a generation was able to show that generation what freedom looks like, feels like, and to get an education about. And you can't take that knowledge away from those people. You can scare them, you can kill them, but you cannot uneducate them from that knowledge. And I I think we are going to see some changes under the Taliban that you haven't seen before because they won't know what hit them because this time around, they got a lead. Last time they had Osama bin Laden. This time it's all on them. And I don't know if they're going to survive. Wade, your thoughts on this news topic? Well, no matter what president you had in there, it's going to be a no-win situation, uh, whether they pull them out soon or pull them out later, not pull them out at all, uh, no matter what, uh, someone was going to be the bad guy. I remember this whole thing starting in 2001 with the uh, World Trade Center. Uh, uh, we were at the office. Someone called and, and, and mentioned what was transpiring at that time. And uh, I'm not sure who it was at the time, but somebody at the office had a small television. I believe it was a five-inch or a nine-inch television set. And uh, we were all huddled there watching that little bitty screen trying to see what was going on in New York City. So um, 
much like Carter mentioned with the Vietnam War and all that, uh, we seem to be in these places for a very long time, lose a lot of lives, American lives and everything. And then we seem to go on to the next one. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens after this. It's gonna be chaotic for a while, but going by past uh, efforts and all, it seems like we'll jump right into another situation where we put our, our people in the same type of harm's way. So we'll keep our eye out to see what happens in the next five years. Suhana, your thoughts on this news story? John, uh, any country's soldier at the most basic level feels this most common responsibility shared across every soldier around the world that is a need to protect the cause that they believe in, which is sometimes a nation and, and for, for people who support jihad, for them, it's, it, it, it's another aspect of it. America leaving Afghanistan after almost two decades and something that happened in 2001 has been a very long time. And as soldiers of the nation who believed in its safety and well-being, they did the best and what they could to help and support the situation. And America took the bold decision of moving to Vietnam, which decision was heavily criticized. But now after a very, very long time, when they're withdrawing, they're not withdrawing after a year or withdrawing after two years, they're withdrawing after spending a very huge amount of time in the air of Afghanistan where they have established a base, they have established, for many have established connections, many have established so much, and the men, many define their whole careers with by pres being present in Afghanistan. And America, mo just uh, as much as it's for Afghanistan, America also cannot deny this part of their history where they had to send millions and millions and thousands and thousands of their children to go and protect a nation and many have lost their lives and it's weaved into the history. But at the same time, I, I, I think it was due time that America eventually pulled out and two decades of chaos cannot be just translated into something, one simple act that uh, America pulled out or Taliban attacked. The place, Afghanistan is such a beautiful place, rich in such beautiful history, it, it has, once upon a time being a very central point in the whole Asia, and it has navigated a lot of cultures. The, the circumstances that they're going through is, is, is terrible, is sad, and, and it's just sad to understand that about two decades ago when I was a child and you all were there and you saw a part of history where you, you saw a part of history in, in your time that where Afghanistan was invaded and this whole situation looks very similar now two decades later where we are experiencing the same thing. I think Amer Biden took a call for America and uh, sitting in America, I, I feel faith in his decision that he has taken for his people, but it's not just blaming someone for the situation that has unraveled there. It has been series of very cruel decisions made by a lot of people for a very long amount of time that has led to circumstances like this. And America is not the only player to blame. A lot of parts of Middle East and part of parts of Pakistan and governments have to be blamed 
on circumstances that have left to this. You can even go ahead and blame uh, invasion of Russia once upon a time to describe the situation that Afghanistan is facing. At the end of the day, it's just, this situation is no different from any other situation in countries that we can talk about. But at the same time, we have to understand and resonate that it's the people who were willing to take such cruel decisions against other people. And it's not the one person to be blamed or one aspect or one part of the world that has to be blamed. Uh, for a very long time, we all have turned our eyes and when it happens, we can't act flabbergasted. And it's, it's the truth in Afghanistan, it's truth in uh, Baghdad, this is uh, the truth in a lot of other places, it's truth in a lot of parts of China. And it's just once in a while news that we receive, which is of this magnitude that we have a conversation about it, but a happy realization to this 21st century world, uh, the rest of the world is suffering on a level that you, which people sitting us in first world cannot even fathom. I'm sorry, it was a very long monologue kind of thing that I've said, but uh, I deeply feel for the circumstances that happened there. They just had it good. They just got the travel restriction. The, a lot of Middle Eastern Muslim countries got the travel restrictions given back and something like this is happening is is very uncool I'm, I'm sorry for a long rant but thank you for listening to me let's uh move on to our next topic president joe biden is set to travel to new orleans on friday to survey the damage caused by hurricane ida during the trip the white house says biden will also meet with state and local leaders from Louisiana communities that have been impacted by the Category 4 storm. With 150 mile per hour winds upon landfall on Sunday, Ida was one of the strongest storms to ever hit the U.S. It also struck the state on the 16-year-old anniversary of Hurricane Katrina hitting the Big Easy in 2005. Though power was restored to some in New Orleans on Wednesday, many are still without electricity and that may not change for weeks. Officials are still surveying the destruction from Ida but the storm has likely caused billions of dollars in flood, wind, and other damage. Andrea, your thoughts on this news topic? Knowing what Louisiana, New Orleans area went through in 2005, I know what they experienced in 2005, they experienced in a different way this time around with this storm. They, um, you know, they were out, they're out without electricity, they lacked food. A lot of people had to be rescued out of their homes. Um, there were just so many kind, different kinds of stories just coming out of the out of Louisiana, Southern Louisiana. It was unbelievable. I think going forward, what they're going to have to do is because um, the one congressman, the congressman from the area, were touting the need of why we need to pass the infrastructure bill, and it was because of the the logjam that occurred on the roads trying to escape Louisiana. And I think also the fact that the area was without electricity for so long goes to how much we need to show up our electrical grid and that's infrastructure. I think we have to have a whole new way of thinking because of climate change and because of all these different storms, even here in Ohio and Cincinnati, where we experienced very, very heavy storms um, we have to look at things differently on how we're prepared and how we can each prepare different homes for potential of a flood. 
than we never thought before. Wade, your thoughts on this news story? It's very scary, very scary. You know, sometimes we here in Cincinnati, we'll have an outage, uh, electricity outage, and we might go a day or two without electricity or something. But uh, in, in those situations, some of us, I, mean, I have a gas generator, I've got a little solar thing, I've got some batteries that will, with the uh, inverter and everything. So for a short period of time, I can survive uh, and, and I'm not too uncomfortable. But in a situation like this, when you come in, even if you have a generator, uh, if you got flooding and things like that, you not only sometimes can you not get to the generator, but the, now the generator is not, it's not workable. Or then when you have a long period of time when you out, you might have a generator and some gas, gasoline, but in these situations, a lot of time they don't have uh, access to these things for weeks. And so again, uh, you have something and you set for a day or two and it turns out to be two weeks. That's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. You, you, you get back to, we live in a comfortable uh, situation uh, every day. And most of us are not equipped to go two weeks without electricity and food and things like that. So it's very scary when things like that happen. Uh, I hope the government is able to step in and do all that's necessary to, to help these, these people and the families out uh, during this situation. But I don't want to forget about Haiti because they just had their situation a week or so ago also. And so they're still struggling. And I hope that we are also giving aid to them. Suhana, your thoughts on this news story? John, when once you wonder that in the middle of a pandemic, what's worse that can hit you? you're hit with something more. And uh, uh, Hurricane Ida moving with 150 miles per hour was one of the biggest, I think fifth biggest hurricane that hit uh, one of the US mainlands before. And uh, it, it's a very, very big deal because when people are barely managing to get by with their, with their in source of income and family and health, at the same time, you were hit with the circumstances of a hurricane, which are, as we discussed, truly devastating. People have been suffering for a long period of time now. Uh, government has sent out their help, and which makes me feel that situations can be restored. But uh, of course, the lives that are lost uh, are have my deepest people who are affected, people who have lost their loved ones, which have my deepest condolences that they are suffering through this time and it's such a such a terrible it's such a shame uh, at the same time i feel biden's infrastructure plan like has got a solid um, what's it circumstances supporting about why we need the bill more than ever right now it, only if the infrastructures of these places were more stable more secure I, I i don't know how do you prepare for something of this magnitude but if we were a little more prepared, I feel we could have saved a little more people. It's not a cup of glass or a spoonful of sugar. It's a couple of people which make a which make couple of very, very important people to a lot of people whom we have lost. And uh, I, I just truly hope that the, their families and people can get by through these times, get the right amount of medical assistance, get their power back, get food supplied and have their homes restored. I, it's a terrible circumstance to be in, and I can believe it's extremely scary. 
and uh, thank God many 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 have made out of it alive and I my prayers are with with the survivors and victims of Hurricane Ida. Moving on to our next story. A Texas law banning most abortions in the state took effect at midnight, but the Supreme Court has yet to act on an emergency appeal to put the law on hold. If allowed to remain in force, the law would be the most dramatic restriction on abortion rights in the United States since the High Court's landmark Roe v. Wade decision legalizing abortion access in the country in 1973. The Texas law, signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott in May, would prohibit abortions once a fetal heartbeat can be detected, usually around six weeks and before most women even know they're pregnant. According to NPR, the bill does not make exceptions for pregnancy that result from rape or incest. The law also allows individuals to sue those suspected of helping a woman obtain an abortion with an award up to $10,000. The Texas Tribune reports that those who file such lawsuits do not need to provide a personal connection to whomever they sue. Andrea, your thoughts on this news story? I am shocked that this has been allowed to happen. I think there are more people who respect the right to choose than who choose an abortion. I think this is an issue that a certain particular portion of the American culture continue to harp on and try and control a woman's body. And I think it's going to come back to bite them, so to speak, um, politically in the long run. You can't supersede federal law. And that's what basically this Texas law has done, superseded federal law upheld by the Supreme Court. The fact that the Supreme Court did, didn't do anything to uphold the um, suspension of the law for a long time just shows who's in control of the court right now and why there's a need of change in, in, in thought at the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is supposed to be for all of the land and law, not just political might and right. And I, I think what you're seeing is the worst of what can happen when you politicize the Supreme Court and not doing what's best for the American people. Wade, your thoughts on this news story? I too am shocked, but for a different reason, uh, more shocked that the Supreme Court has not stepped forward and, 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 and made their voice known. Uh, they have made this decision before, and, and that's the law. I think this is not so much about the abortion thing from the people who have done this. It's more about an attack on America again, or what America stands for in terms of the three bodies of legislation. Seeing this uh, the last few years now, this thing about how America has run, and we saw uh, the Trump administration try to use a dictatorship type of administration, and uh, everything seems now to try to tear those three parts of legislation apart right now. And I think that's that's the big battle we're going to have now for the next few years. And uh, it's like a fight now to destroy this, this so they can put something new in its place. And so uh, it's shocking that the Supreme Court has stood silenced at this point. And uh, especially because it lessens, in the long run, it lessens their power and authority the longer they stay silent. Uh, again, we have those three body of legislations and, and, and it's, it's set that way for a purpose. 
And if you can undermine one, then you undermine all three. So uh, very shocking, and we'll see where it goes from here. Suhana, your thoughts on this news story? Um, John, this is so bizarre that uh, um, we are talking about so many primitive causes at this moment. Uh, from something as basic as Black Lives Matter to LGBTQ rights matter to something. Now we have stumbled to the most basic one, that is the woman rights. I now I have now I don't kind of care that uh, people don't respect my choice of abortion, but uh, I request, I beg that the lawmakers consider the lives of those women who land themselves into this unfortunate circumstances because of so many things that can go wrong because of incest, rape, misunderstanding, lack of knowledge, tricked or maybe incorrect for the health. So many circumstances can, or maybe an unwanted abortion. Please, if not for me, care about those people uh, whose lives will be extremely, extremely affected because of that pregnancy they didn't want it to have happened to them. Pregnancy, I, I think many people have this brain picture where it's a woman, she gets pregnant, and in third picture, the baby just pops out. Uh, many people, I think, don't consider when they make laws like that, the nine month of gestational period that a person goes through and the financial, mental and physical havoc that a person goes through in process of giving birth to that child. Don't care for me, but probably please care for someone who is extremely vulnerable and helpless in this situation. I, I think I would even at this moment go ahead and make a plea that yeah, think of this person as your daughter who would be extremely miserable for the rest of her life if, you, if she doesn't get to make the choice that she wants to. I, I, I think it's not only about a woman's right. I think we take a, when we make laws like that, John, we take away right from the future human being that comes into this world, whether it be a man or a woman. Uh, so because a child who is who comes into the world under most terrible circumstances, a child comes into the world, people, people are fragile, John. People are fragile, they struggle in general with a lot of things. Even to make a basic existence in this life, people struggle for that. And knowing that you carry a burden of being unwanted or born to circumstances, which is absolutely not ideal for any human being to be born into, can be very difficult. And you try making this law creates an, a whole generation of children who are suffering and adults who are suffering till the end of it. And they were not prepared for it. So I, I don't know what, how many yes, what is the discussion that goes on the table which can make you get all the yeses? Like how many positive points are there to ban the abortion? I am clueless. I'm not taught that in my education. Probably I missed something. But um, if they hear me, if they hear which is most of the nation and most of the people in this world, um, they can understand that this decision is not something people can be comfortable with. And uh, if they can get down 
if they can just just try to see a different perspective of why we need abortion regulated properly studied and properly administrated abortions a safe place then i think they will see that it will be if not for anything just will benefit a lot for their own political career i i, I will not even try to rant on the fact that uh, they should do it for humanity do it do it for your sake but uh just try to see what we all are trying to say this is what i have to say john this is crazy and we are living in a crazy world welcome you are today days old when you found out that we are still fighting on primitive matters yeah definitely my thing about this uh, very restrictive bill is that i'm just wondering if other states are going to copy this bill and if it's just going to keep spreading through like all of the red states because that's a dangerous precedent to um set in my opinion Exactly, yeah, because again, uh, if, if nothing happens with this, it's not just this issue, then states and things will start challenging other things that the Supreme Court has set in place. So this can be very, very dangerous. I think the problem is this, I, want to, I, I would want women to have a safe access to abortion. And I think it's rather, it's just silly that they would like, I think what the Texas Tribune said that you could someone you could get fined ten thousand dollars if you help someone get an abortion. I think that's like that's ridiculous and it's just so silly and it's just I just don't understand it. It's just like men just telling women what to do with their bodies. It's just it's misogynistic and it's crazy and I hope someday that this ridiculous bill can just get struck down. Well, it, it comes down to it's about control. It's about exactly who controls. It's a last stand of, again, a certain segment of America telling mm -hmm. women what to do. And because America yeah. is changing, mm -hmm. and right now a certain political party is trying to cheat their way across the country to make sure that they maintain power and control. The problem is that you hang on too tightly to what you want, to what you want. Eventually it's going to break. And the backlash of that breakage is going to affect you in a certain kind of way you never expected. And I think the GOP just is not, they can't let go of an issue that they lost a long time ago. This is their last stand on a number of issues on a number of way of thinking, of being, and doing. And I think that deep down they're scared of the future and they wanna make sure the future that they know will remain. And you can't, you can't harness the future. You can't harness change. Change will occur whether you like it or not. You either ride along with it and get what you need out of it or step back, don't stand in the way and see how it's going to affect you. Unfortunately, they're trying to manipulate everything. And I think they're gonna to go too far and even their own, their own constituents eventually say, okay, you've done enough, stop. Unfortunately, no one said stop yet. And uh, adding one more thing to uh, Andrea's argument for those people who still don't believe the, to believe what uh, 
the conclusion that we are drawing out of the circumstances. The another another evidence to look at the circumstances is that if they truly truly wanted to regulate the abortion and would have saw the sin in abortion and saw the uh, disadvantages in it and regulated it, they would have instead of made laws and more policies in which how to one who is allowed to get abortion and how they can access abortion instead of making a law which not only barely allows, it gives you a chance to access this opportunity, but at the same time, even vilifies the people who participate in this activity. So this is an, a, 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 it's almost an attack to take this whole thing down and shut it up because there, there, is no, there is no purpose of just regulating it because you feel that this is not good, but it's almost a way of stopping and support. And it's all in the addition and support to Andrea's argument that it's the last stand of knowing the future that they already know and not let it change too much. But again, change is going to come and uh, it's, it, it's just becoming harder and harder, but it will come. Now moving on to our next story. The University of Cincinnati will require all students, faculty, and staff to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by November 15, 2021, the school announced online Tuesday. To safeguard the campus community and in response to the FDA's full approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech Bio, uh, vaccine, the University of Cincinnati is requiring faculty, staff, and students to be vaccinated. University representatives rolled online. The deadline for students, staff, and faculty to get their first jab is October 15th. The second should be complete by November 15th. Andrea, your thoughts on this news story? I am not surprised. In fact, I, I, I think the whole country is gonna go this way. The city of Cincinnati mandated, um, announced their mandate for all their employees to be vaccinated. I, I think everyone has gotten a chance to get the shot. And now those who are still refusing to get, to get vaccinated, it's now a tougher stance has to be taken, unfortunately. And this is the same thing that happened with, I think, the flu in 1918. Eventually, how everyone got vaccinated against the flu, all the businesses required their employees to have, the, have a shot. And that's how it's probably going to happen again across the country. Everyone's going to have to get a shot because um, one thing um, my sister told me that what she she's a payroll administrator and what she's seen because of the cost factor involved in this health crisis, people who are not vaccinated are going to see see their fees assessed against them for choosing not to get vaccinated, and it's become very costly. Right, very it's going to become costly for people in this in this during this pandemic i think everyone needs to take advantage of what's being offered for free before you're forced to pay for it um also we need to protect stand up and protect everybody as much as possible because we don't know what is being um the delta variant was created out of the covid-19 we don't know what's being created out of the delta variant which could be more much more lethal than what we're seeing right now so we need to protect one and all to continue to live a normal life. Wade, any thoughts on this uh, new story? It appears that uh, you're probably going to see more and more of this in terms of uh, this this 
push to uh, force people to uh, take the vaccination. I was talking to a friend yesterday and his daughter is in, lives in Australia. And they are being uh, a little more uh, determined with it over there. They're actually starting to let the people know that they're going to force them basically to take the, the, the vaccine. Uh, where they may come to the house and if they know you're not vaccinated and, and make you uh, take the vaccine. They, they are really letting them know that it's not in their hands anymore. So we're going to see more and more of this. Uh, with these, you see uh, city of Cincinnati, uh, different states around, you're going to see a lot of this going on. But I think what they're going to find out short term, at least anyway, is that a lot of, a lot of people are still not vaccinated. And to uh, set at your whole staff and, and uh, faculty, a population, whatever you have in your business or organization has to be, be vaccinated. Uh, I think they're gonna find out that they are taking a, a big chance there in terms of uh, uh, losing a lot of folks and uh, getting a lot, of, a lot of backlash also from the folks that have to, uh, decided not to take it at this time. Uh, it's not that easy to, to uh, tell 90,000 people, if you're a big organization like that, uh, that you all have to be vaccinated or by, by the, this particular date or such and such and such and such. And again, if you are an organization or a big business and, and half of your staff or third of your staff or whatever it may be, uh, you just threaten to fire them basically, <laughs> uh, and they uh, are no longer a productive, that being that productive part of, the, of your organization, what do you do? You can't lose a third of your staff. You can't lose half of your staff. And, uh, so I think that these deadlines that, they, that are being imposed right now are unrealistic, uh, but I do see this carrying forth. And uh, as we go along, it's more, more and more uh, places will start trying to mandate uh, that the vaccine be, uh, be taken by everyone. And I think what will end up happening is that the government will have to step in and, and uh, mandate uh, the vaccine for everybody in terms of, uh, as I said, once if you if the business are trying to do this and they, they're telling their employees or, or their staff and everything that they have to be vaccinated by a certain date, uh, what, what happens? Are you going to fire them? And then again, you can't just lose that productivity from your business on government comes in and mandates it, then it's a different story. Suhana, what are your thoughts on this news story? Um, I think, John, uh, University of Cincinnati is doing as much as they can in their personal budget to um, make sure that every student is vaccinated, every staff is vaccinated, and uh, we all are in a pretty much safe environment to function. But uh, recently I spoke to some of my professors and they displayed some concerns about coming to campus still so early in the pandemic. Uh, they believe that despite the vaccinations have been announced that more than 60% of the population have taken the vaccines, many still have not. And, and many our professors are of a senior age and they feel that there's still that little thread that is on their life and uh, coming back to campus so early was not worth the risk. So I feel university could put up their efforts and uh, 
try a little more to get their uh, staff feel more assured that uh, they are in a safer environment to teach at least or, or at least for us students to know that we are in a safer environment to go and communicate with the rest of the other people to do our tasks at the same time john i feel the deadline that university has announced should not be so much far it should have been much early uh the deadline should be shorter and uh, the heavy repercussions should be decided post the deadline and that should be also equally informed that students might face some kind of repercussions if they have not taken the vaccination because um I feel the university is taking almost a little bit from medium to strong stand and but not a strong stand on this whole issue and but if they take this would be wonderful and quite uh, reassuring to people who are uh, under the wings of this university's institution and uh, are, are putting their trust and faith time and money into its its expertise so if the university can try their best to reconsider the safety of the people who put so much faith into it would be fantastic. Um, apart from that, I think um, I, I've been recently back to the campus and uh, it looks a little more empty, uh, but it is nice to see faces a lot more than what we have seen the last whole year, which was uh, the campus was completely barren. Now we are seeing some things and uh, it's quite exciting. So, in a way, um, despite this risk, I am excited to actually be back on campus in a way. But I, I really hope I, I don't have to be so guilty about being happy about being back on campus. I hope I can feel 100% safe about the decision of going back. So those are all the stories of the day. I want to thank all of my guests, Andrea, Wayne, and Suhana for coming on and talking about the latest news topics. Thank you guys so much. And if you want to check out the stories we talked about today, just check out our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph F. Booksellers, and at select service stations. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, and TuneIn Radio. Just search for the Cincinnati Herald podcast. Follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. And follow us on YouTube. Just search for the Herald TV. And I hope everyone has a uh, good Labor Day weekend. I'm John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald, and have a good day.